everybody. This is All Christian. I am Josh Caps, and today we got a great episode for you. We've got a guest in the studio today. I am here with B Sharp, also known as Brian Sharp. How are you doing, Brian? Pretty good, man. It's been a good day. Rode my bike over here. I'm a little sweaty, but hey, as time goes on, I'll get less sweaty. I'm yeah. sitting in a nice chair. Thanks for the chair, man. You're welcome, dude. Don't want you to stand here. Uh, <laughs> getting those gains in on that bike ride. So yeah, uh, Brian has not listened to any of the prior episodes, so I, I thought if you haven't listened to any of the episodes either, you as a listener, let's go ahead and do a brief recap of uh, why we're doing this at all. So Eli, the guy who actually owns this place and uh, is letting us use his equipment, he had an issue with some stuff going on in his life, and uh, he was he's here at New Mexico Tech with me studying mechanical engineering. Brian's actually graduated from New Mexico Tech. Ooh. And um, he was telling me that he was feeling like God was telling him to go back into doing more music. And that really challenged him because he didn't know exactly what it meant. And what he heard from God was that he was praying about it, praying about it. And God said, uh, Eli, make your music and I'll make something of it. Mm-hmm. This is what he heard. He told me he heard it verbally. So he comes to me and says, what would you do in this situation? And... If you, if you listen to the first podcast, I kind of go over it, and I was just like, bro, why are you asking me advice when you legitimately heard? Because I, in my Christian walk, have never can say I've never actually physically heard the, the voice of God, but he told me he verbally heard God say this to him, and then he came to me asking for advice. So I just ripped into him for about <laughs> 30, 45 minutes. I was like... What, what else do you need? Do you need Jesus to come down on a cloud and judo kick you in the freaking face? I mean, what else can God do to get your attention? Yeah. And uh, at the end of this conversation, it was me, him, my wife, and his wife all in, in my living room actually talking about this. And his wife challenged me and said, why are you doing mechanical engineering? Hmm. And the only answer I had was, uh, it's going to make good money. Mm. And she said, why haven't you thought about going to some type of like pastoral counseling? I mean, you're really good at talking to people, really good at giving advice. And I said, I don't know. Well, that night I had a dream that I was at this expo with all these big name podcast people that I've listened to and they all ditch me at the expo, right? They just leave me. I think they, what happened was, is I got to sit in on a recording and then they all left me to go eat and then just didn't tell me where they're going or anything. So I'm mad in the dream. I'm sitting on the staircase and this other guy comes up to me who is actually on uh, Ben Shapiro's, one of Ben Shapiro's podcast shows. And he comes up to me and he said, look, you know, I'm really sorry about what happened and I just want to offer you a position here and this stuff. And then, uh, and then it got kind of weirder. Maybe this was some type of analogy or, uh, metaphysical, um, thing that God was trying to tell me, but he gives me these, these glasses and he says, these are going to help you figure out what you're supposed to do. And I put the glasses on and I wake up out of the dream. So I didn't tell them about this dream yet. And, uh, we go to hang out again, me, um, us as, as a couples. And, uh, they bring up the idea of starting a podcast and they say, look, we've got Eli says, I've got recording equipment. We can do it all. It'll be, you can do it free. It's not that big a deal. And uh, I said, well, you know, I'll do it if you start recording music. Mm. And so that's, that's kind of how we got to where we are. And uh, Brian's read the mission statement. If you haven't read the mission statement, go ahead and check out my website, allchristianpodcast.com and um, go ahead and and read that mission statement. I read it in the first episode. So if you don't want to read because it's too hard for you, go ahead and listen to the first episode. (laughs) Um, but anyway, let's get in. Now that we kind of know what this is, why we're here, let's go ahead and get into the meat potatoes of this. Yeah. So Brian, let's just do a quick overview of like, 
who the heck you are. No one knows who you are right yeah. now on this podcast, so let's just figure out who you are. Yeah, for sure. So my name is Brian Taylor Sharp. Um, I am a husband. I'm a music maker. I'm a creator. Um, I work for um, this company called InterVarsity, if you guys have heard of it before. It's a college uh, ministry that's based out of the UK, actually. It started in like the 1800s, late in the 1800s, but it didn't officially become an organization until 1940s. Um, I just jumped on with them this past year, so I've only been doing ministry like officially, like the title of it, I guess, for about two years now. Um, but it's been cool. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, like Josh said, I graduated from New Mexico Tech 2017 um, with my major in petroleum engineering and minor in earth science. And so I'm not using that degree at all because God's like, you're going to I don't know, talk to college students all day. So that's what, uh, that's what's going on with me. Um, yeah, so I'm a husband. I've been married to my wife for two years now and just over two years, we actually just went on an anniversary trip and we just got back from that. So that was a blast and a good time to just get away from phones and social media and being, putting the phone on airplane mode. Oh my goodness. It was so nice. So anyway, um, that's a little bit of who I am. It's not all, everything, but that's just a little nugget of who I am. So, okay, one thing I just want to touch on, just on the introduction, I want to bring out a question from that. Um, so you have your bachelor's degree in petroleum engineering and a minor in geology? Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're not using any of it. Nope. So what in the heck made <laughs> you decide to go to school for four years, in a, not an easy school, one of the harder schools to actually get, it's not hard to get into, but people drop out at an alarming rate, like 75% of students yep. come in here and they just leave because it's too freaking hard. Mm-hmm. And yet you finished, you were done, you you know, did everything you needed to do, went through the strenuous program, and then you get done and you decide to go into ministry, not making near as much money as you were going to make. So yeah. how kind of give us an overview of how that happened. Yeah, so... It was about, so I guess this kind of goes into my story of when I first came to college. Um, when I first came to college, I did not know anything about this whole Jesus thing. Um, first time I even went to church was eighth grade. And the only reason why I went was for girls because I love girls. I love me some girls. And that was uh, something that was a big part of my story when I was younger is like sex, drugs, all these things were a big part of my life. And because of my upbringing, I never got told like what was right and what was wrong. And so with that, I came to college with that exact same thing that I did in high school, all throughout high school, sex, drugs, partying, all those things. And I was doing the same thing in college, just to an elevated level where it was getting a little bit too far. Um, so I was kind of living this like two-faced life in a sense where even people that I did go to church with, which was pretty sporadic, I would only go like once a month if I did, um, they would notice that I wouldn't be there and they'd be like, hey man, why aren't you you know, coming to church? And I'm like, well, I don't want to, if I'm being honest. Um, but the, the main thing was, is this uh, lady was speaking about when you've gone too far, like I mentioned. So I was going too far with sex. I was hurting a lot of women, um, hurting myself. Um, There's a lot of, not like physically hurting, but like mentally in my mind. Like I was starting these relationships with women, getting what I wanted selfishly, and then leaving. And there's like some very, there was moments that I wish I could take back, but it doesn't change who I am, I guess, today. Um, so it's something that I can use as a testimony. But the thing is, um, this lady was talking about when you've gone too far, I realized I'd gone way too far with the drugs and especially the sex part. Um, that's when I like officially realized that I need to follow Jesus and what, not just believe in the whole, um, I don't know, like God, for God to love the world, he gave his only son, that all you need to do is believe and that's it. That's all I was doing. I was like, I believe in God, that's enough. But picking up your cross and carrying it and living the way Jesus would want you to is something I didn't do. So 
that didn't become a reality until sophomore year of college. Um, it's still been a process since those temptations are always there. Um, not necessarily the sex with other women part, but, um, like I see a lot of people having fun in ways that are just degrading. Um, they don't align with me and my family's values. And so those things sometimes become temptations. And so when I saw what InterVarsity, what God, um, Jesus was doing in me, I wanted to do the same thing with college students. So yes, I got this degree four years of college. Like Josh said, it's a hard school. Um, got the degree, came out of it feeling not fulfilled at all, um, which didn't make sense because I was raised in Farmington, New Mexico, which is known for oil and gas. And everyone around me was doing oil and gas. They had pools, they had the money, the everything that looked nice. And I, that's what I wanted. That's the reason why I came to tech was to get a high paying job and just to live in a nice life. And that, like, I guess for me, when I realized that I needed to follow Jesus, Jesus showed me that that's not what a nice life is all about. It's about following me, loving me, because I've loved you first, and then also showing people what a relationship with me would look like. So that's what I do with InterVarsity now. Um, I guess just the priority of God becoming coming first, like the creator instead of the creation coming first was what my identity ended up becoming. And so that's why I jumped on with InterVarsity instead of doing, I don't know, work with a petroleum engineering company, which is still a good thing. Working a career um, is a good thing with another company, but Jesus had another plan for me. So that's mostly it. So, yeah. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, so it wasn't like, uh, I mean, you said when you kind of came to terms with changing, you know, life plans from going to petroleum to ministry, was there any type of moment like, like with Eli's thing, you know, was there something uh, supernatural or anything that happened with that? Or was it just like you were at that talk and it just clicked in you? Um, so what that talk kind of got me on track with the relationship with God, but the whole, I still wanted to do petroleum engineering at that point. Um, it wasn't until I went to a small group, which is like a little gathering of people coming together and studying the Bible. Um, this good, good friend of mine, a mentor of mine named Phil was talking about how He's talking about discerning and like figuring out your life. A lot of college students are trying to figure figure out their life. And uh, Phil gave the example of his wife who got like physically ill, like in her stomach when she was thinking about what she was going to do with her life. And that's kind of what happened to me, actually. I thought about, I'm going to be working in petroleum engineering with all these people. How fulfilling is that? How is that going to like play to my strengths? And my strengths is just talking with people and connecting with people, um, building community. Those are things I love to do. And I didn't think petroleum engineering would fit my giftings and skills. Um, so that's what it was for me is I kind of started to get sick actually, like physically ill, which is weird. Um, but it was the, the sign for me that I needed to be doing something else that would fulfill me and what my future wife would be also be doing with me, um, together. So that's, yeah, that was kind of the thing for me. It was like a physical illness. Yeah, so, so like yeah. a manifestation of the spirit within that moment. Yeah, kind of pushed you in the direction. Maybe it wasn't a verbal confirmation, but I think God speaks to us in like thousands and thousands of different ways. And what one yeah. pe person might hear that is how God speaks to them is not the other person. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the same thing for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to understand. And really. Building a relationship with God is the only way that you get to really know how he's going to talk to you. Yeah. And as you come closer to him, that those it gets more clear and more clear and more clear. Um, next thing I want to get into is marriage. Obviously, you're a married man. I'm a married man. The importance of marriage in your Christian walk. Mm -hmm. And then uh, let's, let's broaden that. 
to the importance of marriage in everyone's life. Like, mm-hmm. it's important to everybody. In my opinion, everyone, even people who aren't married, should think about the significance of marriage because it matters. Mm-hmm. So just, uh, you know, give us a little introduction to, you know, who your wife is, mm-hmm. how long you guys know each other, stuff like that. Yeah, so... Uh, my wife is Maddie. That's her name. Her full name's Madison, but she likes to go by Maddie. Um, we met here at college, actually. We're from the same town. Uh, she's from Aztec, New Mexico, and I'm from Farmington. They're like 10 minutes away from each other. I knew her family, but I didn't know her. Um, she came to college. Her cousin texted me out of the blue, and he was like, hey, man, my cousin's coming down. Let's make sure you get her plugged into a good community. And I was like, all right, sure, whatever. <laughs> um, I looked on her Facebook and I was like, yo, this girl is hot. She's fine. I was like, I'm definitely gonna get her plugged into a community. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But yeah, she, um, was really hesitant in the beginning. I was like, Hey, come at the time I was a junior. No, no, no. Senior. So it took me five years to graduate. Uh, it was my fourth year. Um, senior, not a super senior yet. So as a senior, I invited her, invited her to InterVarsity. She came, took her a while to come, but then she finally came. Um, through that, we started to build a relationship. She was currently dating someone else at the time, ironically. Um, so I didn't have any intention of like dating her. I thought she was cute, but that's it. I didn't want to like overstep those bounds, you know? And so she, um, ended up breaking, breaking up with her boyfriend. Um, people were like, Oh, you should date her. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Like that is still something that I feel, um, really adamant about is like, if she was in a relationship with someone and currently would still be in a relationship with someone, I'm not going to overstep those bounds. Like that's between her. And if God wants them to get married, they're going to get married. So time went on. Uh, she started to see some traits in me that she liked. I started seeing traits in her that she liked. Long story short, we started dating. We dated for about nine months, got engaged and we got married in about a year and one month. So we, yeah, I got married in January. Oh my gosh. I always get her birthday and her and our anniversary mixed up. So her birthday is the 10th and anniversary the 9th. So January 1st or January 9th, sorry, uh, 2017 is when we got married. So that way you only have to get one present, <laughs> anniversary and birthday. It's actually a rule that we made. I have to do two presents. Oh man, that's yeah. tough. When me and, me and my wife started dating, I asked her out on her birthday. Mm. So I only had to get her one present. It was actually <laughs> like a plan. She didn't, she didn't like it. But, uh, <laughs> For sure. So let's like... Your marriage, in my opinion, marriage is the foundation of, one, your family. Because once you two, they have no kids yet, but once you two decide to start having kids, Mm -hmm. um, it's important, of course, to be a father figure and a mother figure and to raise your children. But if you two aren't on the same level, if the marriage portion of that Mm -hmm. isn't right, then the family deteriorates. Yeah, for sure. And you see that. I mean, look at, I mean, just look at the, the repercussions of divorced families things yeah. fall apart and so i just want to get into like your opinion of the importance of marriage how that affects you as a christian how that affects you in your in your daily life like you have to go out and talk to people you have to be jesus to people every single day you represent for one an organization which is a ministry mm-hmm. but you also represent the kingdom of god daily so right. i think just give me some thoughts about that like what does marriage kind of mean to you as a person for one let's go with that yeah. Um, so marriage is second to being a child of God. Um, first, I just want to say like being my identity is fully rooted in Jesus. And so that's the first thing, because I know a lot of people who can base their whole marriage on the horizontal aspect of it. So like just pleasing each other, happiness, whatever happiness dies out, like responsibilities come. If you don't have a ground base and a foundation that is eternal, such as Jesus, um, he is a way that makes things eternal. So like, for instance, uh, our values, that is something that 
in our marriage that we needed to establish from the get-go. And so establishing like uh, rhythms in life. So like Sabbath, we do that each week, which is a day of rest. Um, if we didn't have that, we'd go insane. Um, we have, we do a lot of work as like Maddie just graduated or technically she's about to graduate. Um, but she's in a state right now of like, um, a rhythm of resting while one day a week. So, um, in that time we get to create, um, let's see what another value is putting, um, community at a high level. So community is very, um, important to us. It's like the foundation of being able to thrive as a Christian. Um, just as a person, like if you can't do life alone, it's impossible. Um, third, um, evangelism, which is a fancy word for telling people about Jesus. That's something that we're all called to do in some capacity. Um, that's a huge value for us. Um, yeah, and just, we have, we have like seven core values. I don't want to go on each one cause I, that'd take forever, but these seven core values propel us to have a deeper marriage and to focus on that. Uh, so I mentioned the horizontal part, but there's a vertical part and it's like a triangle. If, if you've heard this before, it's pretty cliche, but you have uh, me at one end, Maddie at the other end, and then God at the top. And so, um, the two commandments that God gives us is to love God and to love people. So like me and Maddie are a people. So I love Maddie with all my heart, uh, but I also love God with all my heart. And so there needs to be a balance of those two things. And those are the two greatest commandments that God gives us. And so that's the foundation of our marriage is those two aspects, um, loving God, loving people. So that's a very big, broad statement, but logistically how that looks, that could take forever to explain. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, just the way, the way I kind of interpreted that was like, before anything, you and Maddie have to put God first yeah. because otherwise you have no base. Yeah. And without a base, your marriage will actually fall apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can put each other first, but without God underneath that or without God actually being first, it doesn't it doesn't really work. Right. Because then who who are you as a Christian? You, if you don't put God first in your life and, and you are a Christian and you're in a marriage, you end up becoming extremely selfish mm-hmm. because you have almost a twisted view on what love is actually supposed to be. Yeah. Because God calls us to love and not ask in return. Right. right. But if you're not putting God first in your life, you're not going to grasp that. So you're going to pour love into your wife. And if she doesn't pour love back to you, even if it's just for a second or a moment, mm-hmm. then uh, you end up getting upset. Yeah. And then you're upset at her for not trying... For, for not trying hard enough in your mind, right? But it's it's not her job. For one, it's not... If you look at it biblically, the, the man is called to love his wife as Christ loved the church, and the woman is called to respect, respect. her husband. Yep. So really, it's not even her job to love you biblically. Think about it. I mean, it doesn't <laughs> say to do that. It says yeah. that she needs to respect you, but it is your job to love her. Yep. And a lot of guys kind of get that messed up, I think. And, uh, and then, of course, there's just a bunch of problems in putting too much emphasis on the person in a relationship you expect Mm. all this from them and you make them your god in a sense if god is not your god you make them your god and when they don't deliver on what you feel like they should have delivered your whole world falls apart that's why you have little teenagers killing themselves over breaking up with their boyfriends because they're just they're so obsessed with that and they need that love that when it's not there they feel like there's no reason to live anymore and i know that's a really drastic you know example but it's it's true true. it's It's true it's so true um i want to get into that community aspect thing this is something i'm not super great at community um, I will admit I'm a pretty selfish person. So it's hard for me to kind of get out and put myself on a limb for people who I don't think give a crap about me. Really. <laughs> yeah. And it's something that I've been battling with for sure over the years. But public Christianity was one of the podcasts that we did. And so you're a huge public Christianity guy. Like yeah. that's like your thing. Community, like you said, is is a big part of who you are as a Christian. So mm-hmm. um, of course you're super involved in InterVarsity and 
just a little back background to give this. I uh, I've been in Metro Tech for a couple years now, about three years, and Brian has been at me since I showed up. He was literally there the day I was moving moving into the dorm, and he was like, "Hey, you guys need help moving in the dorm?" I'm like, "No." Don't touch my stuff. That's what I sound like too, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he actually texts me, and he still does. He texts me every day or every Wednesday because that's when InterVarsity has their meetings. And I'm pretty sure he does this individually to a lot of people. Yep. He texts them every Wednesday. He's like, hey, you coming to large group tonight? You coming to InterVarsity? Mm-hmm. And he's like, Brian, leave me alone I but because you can't text back and say no I'm not coming because then you look like a jerk so you just don't respond but it doesn't matter because he goes ahead and texts you again the next Wednesday it's like don't you get the message I haven't responded to 27 messages but you keep texting me so yeah let's just go into community and yeah. the importance to you let's go on a deeper level of that yeah so yeah in my opinion when I hear someone who claims um yeah I'm a Christian but you know I don't go to church or yeah, I don't really like talk about it publicly with people or I don't have like a friend base where I talk about Jesus with people. I think that's like a load of crap. It's crazy how I don't imagine someone because it's like God created us to be in relationship, like no matter what, like relationship is our foundation. It's life. Um, we have relationships with people. We have relationships with things that are material like money. We have relationships with so many other things that, um, like with God, obviously that's the most important one. So like I said, the two biggest commandments God gives us is for relationship with God and relationship with people. So community is the whole, the last six commandments that God gives us. So the first four are about relationship with God. The last six are about, um, loving people and being with people and commandments around people. And so I think for me, ever since studying that, actually, this has been more of a recent thing because we, um, for example, in our own, my own personal life, we started <clears throat> reaching out for community um, we started a small group, a couple small group that decided that actually kind of fizzled out. And so that was something that was weird to me. And Josh was actually a part of this, part of that. not saying that it was like cause of him or anything like that. It was probably my fault. No, <laughs> he actually came to like the one meeting that we had, which was good. <laughs> and we, we started off strong. Things were great. But then we just saw, um, I don't know. It was hard because we saw some of the couples doing their own thing and not inviting us. And that was outside of Josh's, some other people that we know, they started doing things without inviting us. And we're like, Oh, that's kind of weird. And so it gets, it hurts your feelings. Yeah. Like I'm a human. (laughs) So like, yeah, emotion was still there. Like, I don't want to base like all my decisions on emotion or anything like that. Like wisdom is the base for that, for making decisions, but emotion was still there. And so I, we realized that we needed to find community somewhere else. And so we just recently have been, um, hanging out with a family of ours that we've known for a long time. And so God kind of answered our prayer of like, where's the community we're supposed to be a part of? Because ministry can take so much out of you. Um, and so like, as I'm pouring out, doing all this stuff, I need some recharge. And so I, we, on Fridays, we celebrate Sabbath with this uh, family of ours. And so they um, make a meal. We just hang out have music. Um, sometimes we're like, read a story or something, whatever the case, and we'll like play games together. Um, yeah, we do all kinds of stuff. And so through the unexpected way that God speaks to us, we thought we we're going to find our community in these couples that are young couples like us, same age, same stage of life. Um, but then we found it in another couple that's a little bit older than us. And with that, there's a mix of couples, there's some singles, there's uh, like their kids are there too. So it's like a wide range of different stages of life. So we weren't expecting that. We thought we we're going to find our community with people that were same stage of life. Um, so if I didn't have that community, I think I would probably go nuts because with me doing all this pouring out, pouring out, my cup is constantly getting uh, emptied, um, getting filled by people and by being in the word with Jesus. Um, those things are so necessary. So, yeah. I can definitely relate to that in a lot of ways. One thing, um, 
I don't think I've ever actually got you to sit down and watch one, but I've mentioned it several times in some conversations we had and yeah. some conversations me and uh, Phil, me, you and Phil had. Phil's our, our pastor. Yeah. And um, one one thing this, this uh, and I brought it up in one of the other podcasts, so uh, the name's Todd White is the guy. Yeah. 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 And I brought him up. I don't know if Brian's actually looking into him a while. If you haven't looked at him, go look into him. He's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. But um, one thing that he kind of goes into is the the problems that come with going into a community, like a church community, and looking for love Ooh. in the community and how that's a big problem in the, in the Christian church. And so definitely something that me and my wife struggle with a lot is, and it's more so like a kind of us as a couple thing, maybe not individuals, because me personally, I don't struggle with needing people's approval or love just because I don't care <laughs> and that's just kind of me as a person but one thing he goes into is uh, instead of going into communities to try and find love from whether it be friends or whatever um, you need to go into that community and be the love and I think a lot yeah. of times we we miss that aspect and I think it boils down to more of an identity issue um, and us not really realizing the how much we are loved by God. Cause mm -hmm. if we really, if you really understood that, then no, you don't need any other sources of love pouring into you. You are okay who you are and you should be, even if everything is taken away from you. I mean, look at Job, his entire family was stripped away from him. All his money was stripped away from him, but it didn't, I mean, it hurt him a lot, but he was okay where he was because he mm -hmm. knew that God loved him and God was in his life. Yeah. And I think that's definitely a big problem. And when you're like a young person trying to get into like young couples group or whatever, it's so clickish, man. <laughs> like it's so hard. That this is like In our situation with, with everything that happened with me and Brian and that small group thing, it was definitely like walking into a room of people that already knew each other and mm -hmm. you were like the person that didn't know anybody. Yeah. And it was super weird. And uh, I'm okay in group settings. Like, I can schmooze and I can be like, hey, I can call someone and be like, talk to me or whatever. It doesn't bother me. But my wife isn't like that. She's way more reserved. Um, it takes a lot to really get her to open up to you as a person. And for me, I'm like selling you my audio, my autobiography within the first 10 minutes. <laughs> and so that's, it's hard. Being couples is for sure hard. Being social and being couples because you don't, only have to think about yourself and what you look for in a person. You also have to think about your wife. The balance. So, yeah, so you have to balance that. And finding yeah. someone who's balanced, like a couple that complements you as a couple and both your weaknesses and strengths yeah. and them compliment you complimenting them and them complimenting you. That's like super, super hard. Yeah. Can I say something? That you, yeah. That was a really Go good ahead. point. Um, so for me and Maddie, like I'm <clears throat> the very outgoing type Um Myers-Briggs, you've probably heard of those personality tests. I personally think they're kind of like restrictive and they make you like, oh, I don't do this because I'm ESFJ or because I'm ENFP or whatever. But personally, um, Maddie is the very, she's very good at hospitality. So it's, she's very intimate with one-on-one -on -one relationships. For me, I am too, but not, that's not one of my strengths. Like I am very good at like talking to mass amounts of people. I'm like the MC with InterVarsity and stuff. So I talk to like 30, 40 people um, and I gain like energy from that. But for Maddie, that drains her like crazy. So she is very good with one-on-one -on -one relationships. And that was something that Allie and Maddie, I think, uh, connected on really quick, which yeah. is Josh's wife. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my wife's name is Allie. And me and Brian connected on the opposite level. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's asked me to speak at InterVarsity. I've actually got the privilege to speak at InterVarsity a couple of times. Um, I took a trip this last summer speaking at several different churches in Africa yeah. and it's literally, and, it, and I have to watch it too, cause I will get like a high 
based on being in front of people. Yeah. And I love it. I love performing. I've always performed. I've been, I was in, you know, from the age nine to 12, I was in a, a hip hop dance group where we actually traveled around <laughs> yeah. the country and around the world and did massive dances. Um, yeah, I was in theater <laughs> since I was like, and that's not gay. It's not gay to be in theater. <laughs> I was in theater when I was like, kindergarten dude i was doing plays of course you have the school plays but i was always the star of the school play and then i actually did children's methuselah theater in hobbs new mexico i did that several years i moved on to go into high school was in theater then and i played in the in the worship band when i was in high school so for me it's it's disconnecting myself from the praise of people and remembering that i've been put in that position because for some reason god thinks i can touch somebody mm-hmm. and really it's not me touching anyone it's just i'm the only person that's willing to stand up in front of everybody and yeah. open my mouth that's good and a lot of people have fear of public speaking because they're scared to look stupid i look stupid <laughs> every single day so it doesn't matter yeah and i think god uses my stupidity and he sits there and he used me as a like a conduit and he puts himself into one end of me and i do my best to project him from the other end yeah. and that's why i don't do um notes when i talk and stuff because everything that goes into my head of the moment, I want to I want to put it out. Because I feel like that's the Holy Spirit moving through me. And mm-hmm. I, I don't even get a second to think about it, you know. And um, so I want to get more into the public Christianity aspect of things. So in the, in the podcast, Public Christianity, which I think is episode two, um, I go into the importance of manifesting God supernaturally. In, in public settings. Mm-hmm. And that's something I have very limited experience with. Like, I'm not like these big uh, mega preachers or whatever who, you know, they walk into a crowd of people and they're just praying over 1,500 people and, you know, a bunch of them get healed. Like, that doesn't, that's not how it really works for me. And I'm still growing in that aspect. So I wanted to know, I, I'm pretty sure you told me one time you have some experience with that and yeah. in a limited range maybe. Right. But I want to touch on that and the importance of that in evangelism. Yeah, so I think two things um, that come to mind right away is like through InterVarsity, I was very closed off to like what Josh is talking about, like these manifestations of like people getting healed on the spot or like um, seeing exorcisms and like people, demons getting cast out. These yeah, things yeah. we read in the Bible that Are you we watching just, the movies or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You see those in movies and like when you see like Jesus healing um, people in the Bible, you're like, oh, that was then. That doesn't happen now. Even though the word says like we are equipped to do these things, like Jesus gave these power to the disciples to do these things. Um, so we have the power to do these things, um, but we just don't see it, right? And so um, I recently, well, it wasn't recently. It was, I worked at a camp, summer camp um, in Capitan, New Mexico called Lone Tree. When I was there, there was a staff member there who reached out to me and he was like, hey man, I really want you to pray for me. I'm feeling like attack. Um, I put quotes around that because we don't really know what was going on because he just came up to me saying he's feeling spiritual attack, which... To me, I think he was dealing with like some things in his past with his parents and he expressed that to me and he, it was coming as manifesting in a way that was making him feeling uncomfortable with some of the students that he was um, dealing with, with, with at that camp were with middle schoolers and high schoolers. And so some things were triggered essentially. And so he had to take some time away. He's like, hey man, can you pray for me? And me and two other people were praying for him. And as we were praying, this is no joke, he started like foaming at the mouth and he uh, was starting to convulse and like shake. And so that's never happened to me before. That kind of caught me off guard. And I, and oh, then man. What I, were you thinking in that moment? Like, I was like, were you scared? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fear aspect was definitely there. Which, so, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, when I think about those things, you think, me personally, like, you need someone, God needs someone who is, like, 
hardcore in that situation it's not gonna be afraid but obviously not because yeah. you were there you felt a sense of fear and yet everything assumably worked out like I didn't yes so yeah. they're, they're, like you said I was the fearful one the two other people we were with they've dealt with things like that before one of them was the person who ran the camp and he's prayed for people people before on the spot and they've started to like shake and things like that things have happened like that before with him and so he was the one that kind of led the prayer I was just there as like support and continuing to pray um, for him and like showing care for him and uh, things ended up okay, like Josh said, but like, oh my goodness, I was so, I, we had to debrief essentially. I talked with him later and I was like, bro, what, not with the guy that we're praying for, but with the, the guy who ran yeah, the camp yeah. and so crazy. But. Yeah. Okay. So what's your second example? Oh yeah. Too? So second example, um, let me think. I thought you told me a healing story one time. That did happen, but that wasn't the one I was thinking of. Um, well, okay. I can go into that one too. So, uh, university puts on this camp every year called chapter camp. And this is my first year going to chapter camp. Um, my friend Alex was there and he was like, he had like a wrist problem. So like he put his hands together and like, he could only bend one of them to like a 90 degree angle. Um, when you move your wrist up and then the other one, he couldn't. And so he couldn't get up into like a push up position. And so he showed us before, like he tried to get up into a push up position and it hurt. And he was like, oh, I can't do it. And so this guy was praying for him and what he he was praying things that are very bold, like very bold prayers that I had never prayed before in my life. And so I could tell that he had faith in God, but I didn't. <laughs> I was the one who was wavering. He was like, in Jesus' name, I pray that your wrist be healed. But he would go into more detail and saying like, talking about like the characteristics of God and how powerful he really is and how he has the ability to do these things. Um, and he healed like his, he, he prayed for him about like seven cliche again seven times um i think he prayed <laughs> cliche <for him. laughs> cliche or meant to be that's true i don't know that's true um prayed for him seven times i think and uh on that seventh time he's able to get into a push-up position and that so praying for him each time probably this is probably a span of like five to ten minutes and he was able to get down to a push-up position and do a push-up so like it wasn't like someone being healed of cancer which those stories do happen but i got to see a healing like on the spot so that yeah. was my first introduction into those things and now working within a varsity we do these th this thing called prayer ministry where uh we get someone into a space where they can be just focused on god and we help them through some things that they're going through so for instance like someone comes and they say hey i'm having um anxiety issues and so we like just say, hey, I want you to imagine um, you're with Jesus right now. What is Jesus saying to you? We're just asking questions. We're like, what is Jesus saying to you right now? And it can reveal so much. People can start crying and like all these remarkable things can happen. Have you heard of Zozo ministry? Zozo, Zozo no. is like a Bethel uh, Bethel church type of thing. Yeah. And it's almost exactly like that. It's almost like a uh, um, counseling session, huh. but they bring like God as the counselor into it. And yeah. uh, I've actually, I haven't read the book. My wife read the book. And there's a book on it, and so they do this ministry where they they bring people who've been like molested when they were kids, or like crazy bad stuffs happened to them. They bring them into a room, and they ask them to go back into that that memory, and like you know, now Jesus is there in the room with you. Was he telling you? And then they say something, and it just breaks them down. And they're able to allow God to rebuild that situation for them yeah. from a new a new perspective almost. And that's honestly, I didn't know InterVarsity did that. That's yeah. really really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think ultimately it only happens when the person is faithful. So like the story in the Bible where the paralytic is dropped through the roof, like he wasn't even faithful, but his friends were, they were like, we know Jesus can heal this guy. So they drop him through this roof in front of Jesus and Jesus heals him. And he said, because of the faith of your, your friends, you are healed. And so 
that's really all it takes is like faith in that God can do these things. So Yeah, but like you just said, it's not direct faith from the person. Because a lot of people, when they go to pray for people, let's say in a public setting where you might not actually be praying for Christians, mm-hmm. they I've heard people say it, that, well, because that person didn't have faith, they didn't get healed. Mm-hmm. And But we look at that story, and it wasn't that guy mm-hmm. that was dropped through the roof whose faith got him healed. It was the people around him. Right. So... You, as a Christian, your faith through your prayer is what God uses to do the healing. It's not necessarily the person that has the problem right. that gets the healing done. Yeah, but I definitely think true. in the situation you're talking about with uh, with praying for people in, in a prayer room setting and having them you know, go into the memory or the moment and listen to Jesus talk to him. I don't know how that would work with someone who didn't have faith. And maybe not, let's say their faith isn't, I'm just saying who's not a Christian. I just don't see how that would work. Hmm. Because you say Jesus comes in the moment, they're like, "Well, Jesus isn't real," and so there, the whole thing just yeah. fell apart, and everybody looks stupid. So. Yeah, so there, are, we actually have done prayer ministries with people that don't believe in Jesus at all. How is that? <clears throat> so for them, we just ask for an open mind, essentially. So like, we well, first it starts with a relationship, building trust with that person, and then from there, like asking what's going on in their life. This isn't. This happens over like months of like getting to know someone. It's not like I just go up to someone. Hey, you don't know Jesus? Let's do prayer ministry. That does. It doesn't happen. Like that. <laughs> um, but like getting to know someone. Like for instance, there's this guy named Jacob um, who goes to our chapter, and he's an atheist, and he hangs out with us because it's a sense of community, and he likes he he wants to find people to hang out with. And, and so, InterVarsity is a very inviting group. Like they don't. Yeah. It's not. It's not like okay, this is a church group. It's like just a group where people come and hang out, and for God gets preached there, but you don't. Like, it's very inviting to every religion, background, ideology period, which is one really cool thing. Right, yeah. Um, so, Jacob isn't someone we've, like, done active prayer ministry with, but in regards to <clears throat> having an open mind, he will read the Bible with us. He will ask questions. He is just engaging in a lot of things, but his foundation of not believing the Bible is full authority or um, Jesus being real. Actually, well, no, he believes in, so him specifically, he does believe that Jesus was real, but he doesn't believe the Bible's true. And so like through that, we're able to press into like conversation questions, kind of just the thing about it is having an open mind. Um, Mm. The one pitfall of prayer ministry specifically is that a lot of people will say, oh, that's not Jesus speaking to you. That's just your own thoughts and your own mind and your own thinking. But that's just like skeptical kind of thoughts. I don't personally think that, but that's where the biggest, I guess, backlash is. I think that's like a disconnect between what people, like they read this in the Bible, like you read that you're a new creation and Jesus lives in you and, you know, the Holy Spirit is in you. Like we're taught that biblically. And then people say, well, that's your own thoughts. Like when people, oh, I think I, I think God's telling me to do this. Oh, psh, that's stupid. You know, that's your own thoughts. You really need to be careful what you're thinking. I think that is the biggest load of crap I've ever <laughs> heard because... Like, I have this theory, and it's not, I guess it's not biblically backed, because it's not specifically said, but if if Jesus lives in us, if the Holy Spirit abides within us, and we are God's temple, Mm -hmm. when you think about it, the inner voice you hear in your head, your conscience, as we call it, is a manifestation of that, I believe. And I think that God actually can speak to you through your own ideas, through your mind, literally. Mm -hmm. And because that's how you hear, like, People say, well, you hear God's voice as a, a still voice on the wind. To me, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. That's the still voice on the wind that's like in your head. Yeah. And a lot of other um, healing ministries are like that too. Like they'll invite a bunch of people who've never prayed over anybody before 
and uh, like haven't done any type of healing ministry and they say just close your eyes and whatever pops into your head that's what you need to pray about yeah. and so they'll see like elbows or some people will see like guts or something or <laughs> yeah. that or this pops into their mind they pray over someone and it gets healed mm-hmm. so it's literally God working through the, the manifestation inside your mind's eye inside your conscience yeah. and I think that is really important to trust that voice yeah oh know? my goodness so can I tell an example of that yeah go ahead man. so there's a guy from we had a conference called Ambition it's a big conference we do every three years um, for university and it's about like finding your place in God's uh, mission essentially it's like using your interests and the thing that things that you do and putting it with uh, like God's mission so <clears throat> this guy was we were praying together and all of a sudden I got this like picture of uh, this random dude who didn't look athletic but I was like I got the image of him playing basketball on a court in specifically at Chico State in California. Um, and so I didn't know he was from California or anything. Um, we started praying and I was like, okay, what's your name? And he was like, I don't remember his name, but he told me that he's from California. And I was like, oh, that's cool, dude. And I just, I got to let you know this. Um, I just had like a picture of you specifically playing basketball on this campus. And then as you were playing basketball on that campus, you were talking to people about Jesus. And I was like, it's pretty basic, kind of like a, it wasn't an image that was like, guts or elbows or things like that which um anyway i was talking to him about that and he was like dude you know what's crazy he's like i'm actually going to be going to chico state to play basketball there um like intramurals it wasn't like uh like playing with the college like like division one division two but it was like intramural basketball he wanted to play there and so i was like that's interesting because i'd never met that guy before i didn't know he was from and i saw i got a picture of him doing that and so when i told him that it like connected with him instantly there are times where I get images and it doesn't connect with the person instantly, but there are instances when that happens. So yeah, like a um, a word of knowledge yep. is like typically what that's called in the in the biblical or the the church circle. Right? There's words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and there are a couple other things too. Yeah, and um, that's super awesome. I've never, I that's never happened to me yeah. ever, and I like pray that that happens. That I want to be that conduit that God gives me something and I'm allowed to tell somebody something, and it just. Because you don't really, you probably don't really realize how much that guy was actually affected by that. Yeah. Because you don't know what he's feeling on the, on the inside. And I think right. that relationship, your relationship with God, the closeness that you have, allowed God to bring that guy into your life. You met him for a small window moment in time, mm-hmm. and you, for some reason, you felt like you had to say that to him. You imparted whatever information or whatever to him, and now he has to take that and be like. It's weird that that guy knew all that stuff about me. You know, maybe, I don't know, was he a Christian? Was he not a Christian? Did you say? Uh, He was. So he, like, yeah, he was a Christian. But, like, we still don't know the details of the relationship. Like, was he struggling with his relationship with anything? And for some reason, he needed to hear that in that moment. Yeah. And there's people's lives that are completely and drastically nuked by the Holy Spirit. And they change in that moment because somebody decided to say something to them that they felt was dumb to say anyway. That they didn't really realize that the importance that would have had in that person's that person's life yeah and i just think that's so awesome and so amazing and so many christians miss out on that because they get into this this argument of doctrine and they get into well god doesn't really work in people's lives like Mm -hmm. he used to in the old testament that's such that's such a lie it's a demonic lie that's been perpetuated by people who don't have enough faith to realize what's going on Mm -hmm. they don't have what it takes to roll in the kingdom of god Mm -hmm. and if they did every person they touched Every time they came into a situation like that, if they allow God to work through them, then something would change. Yeah. You would literally walk around a city and the entire city would change, which is what we're called to do as Christians. I mean, if you look at the, the apostles, they rolled into cities and they were throwing them out of there because there's riots in the streets and things crazy are going on because these guys are 
preaching the gospel. And when it says like sharing the gospel, signs, miracles, wonders, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, that all goes with that. It's not a separate thing. Yeah. And I think that's a huge problem that people get. We're sitting there, like we kind of joked about it earlier about handing out tracts. We're sitting there handing out tracts, trying to get people to, to change their entire mindset. <laughs> Literally the entire way they look at life because they looked at a, a four inch by four inch piece of paper and read that Jesus loves me on the side of it. That's not going to do anything. Not, no. I mean, maybe it worked one time. But now with multimedia, with Instagram, social media, stuff like that, people don't, they're not as sheltered as they used to be. So it's not like they haven't heard about the Bible or anything like that. It's that they don't care because yeah. it's literally everywhere and they, and nobody's different because of it. So why do they need to show interest in it? And that's why throwing a track in someone's face on the side of the street is not going to do anything. Yeah. Now, if you got in that, if that you saw that guy across the street and you came to him and said, Hey dude, I feel like God told me that there's something wrong with your knee. You're like, what the heck? And then you pray over the knee and it gets healed. Wow, that. Mm -hmm. Now that's something that will change their life. Whether you see the manifestation of that instantly or not. Because mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of videos like that where like someone will pray over something, they get healed and they're just like, yeah, and walk away. <laughs> and then um, some of my friends who are a little bit more skeptic will be like, that's totally fake, dude. Like, look at it. Like, if I would have got prayed over and done something like that, then I would have been freaking out, jumping up and down. Well, I think it's a little bit more multi-layered than that when you're looking at that through the camera lens of that video. And it's, that entire person, that entire person's worldview was just challenged yeah. in that moment. They mm -hmm. went from knowing, in their own mind, knowing that there was no God and they're not loved and there's no purpose for being alive, to, well, maybe that's not true. Yeah. And boom, you just get rocked. You know, you're... Yeah. It's, it's insane. I wouldn't know how to react in that situation. Yeah. If someone told me something that completely challenged my worldview and it ended up being true, mm -hmm. like you either do one or two things. You completely deny it and run off mm -hmm. and you just live in denial or you have to sit there and contemplate it. Yeah, you wrestle. You wrestle, <laughs> wrestle. with it yeah. for sure. And uh, so... Something I thought was a really good point that Josh said was like handing out tracks versus actually going and talking with people is like the power of relationship. Like power like i said like our values uh for me and maddie is like a relationship with god and relationship with people so like if you hand out a track to someone and you just rely on that track to do the work that's not going to do anything so yeah the power of relationships is very important and actually talking with people and being in relationship with people um yeah while we're while we're on the topic of like physical manifestations of god i wanted to yeah. show you some some pictures this is actually crazy that this happened this week so sorry you guys can't see the picture yeah sorry you guys can't see the pictures i'll do my best to explain them um I think we as Christians have issues with how God manifests himself physically because we can't explain it and it makes no sense. And so sometimes we, it's like some people will pray over someone and they get healed. Well, then I go and pray over someone and they don't get healed. Why? Like there's really no direct answer to that mm -hmm. question. And that, you know, a lot of people use that to say, well, then God's not real. And that manifestation can actually be explained physically or something, you know. Can I plug a quick book? Yeah, go ahead. So on that topic, you guys should check out the book Hope in the Dark by Craig Groeschel. It's a really weird way to spell that book. But like that question of like why certain things happen and other things don't, um, you guys should just check out that book, Hope in the Dark, Craig Groeschel. It's a really awesome book. I don't know if you've ever read that. I book. haven't read that book. I'll have to go ahead and read that one. So good. Anyway, go ahead. So, so my dad, of course, is a crazy guy. You haven't, you haven't got to meet my dad yet. Eli and Riley got to meet my dad. And yeah, they agree with me. He's kind of a crazy dude. And I've shared a little bit about my family history on, on the podcast before about how kind of crazy type of Christians that my parents are. Like they do this stuff. 
regularly. So my dad goes ahead and somehow gets in touch with these guys who are, I don't think they're big pastors or anything. I really don't know anything about them. But the one thing about them that is obviously a standout point is that in their home regularly, stones, gemstones, and, and precious jewels manifest themselves physically inside their home. Hmm. Like they don't have them. And then one's like in the corner of the, they the just room. Like pop up? They just pop up. What? Right. And so they explain this as a physical manifestation of the glory of God in their home. Yeah. And that these things are just popping up everywhere. So here's some of the pictures. <laughs> what? And if you scroll up, you'll see them. So these, there's like a red, or sorry, oh, scroll down. down, sorry. Um, there's like a red, black, blue, and kind of like a pearlish looking one. And they're big. They're like bigger than the size. See? Dude, there's they're like a bigger tub than of the size these. of quarters. And there's a tub of them in this next picture. Wow. All different sizes. All different shapes. Keep going. Yeah. And, oh my goodness. And so I wanted to show this to Brian because we're on the topic of physical manifestation. Do you want to explain that part? Uh, no. Let's okay. not explain that part. Okay, don't explain that part. <laughs> um, it wasn't a bad picture. It's just some pictures of some alcohol my dad bought. But anyway, <laughs> so, so yeah, these jewels are manifesting. And so I'll give you kind of the story so that my dad went to go meet them with his friend who's also kind of a crazy guy. This dude's so crazy that one time they were in the middle of a church service, right? And the pastor's talking about people who, like, if the Spirit of God comes upon people who want it. And so he used, uh, like, the analogy of, like, a glass filled with water. Mm. And that this is, like, we allow it to, you know, stay in this glass. And then he says, but, you know, God wants to pour it all over your life or whatever. And so this dude goes up to the front of the church during the sermon and says, pour it on me. Hmm. And so the pastor in real life just dumps the glass of water on him in the middle of the service as symbolizing, you know, the Holy Spirit being dumped on him as a person. That's so awesome. he goes with this guy and they go to, I think they were in Arizona. They go to these people's house and they're really quirky people. My dad said like kind of weird. And uh, they come out and the guy's like, hey, look right there. There's a, there's a jewel or whatever manifesting right in front of you. My dad looks down and he's like, there's nothing there. And he's like, no, you got to reach down and pick it up. He's like, okay, buddy. He reaches down and he's like, there's nothing here. You know, nothing really popped up. But then he says the same thing to his buddy that's with him. And he does it. And he literally picks up a stone that looks like the ones in the ones I, that I showed you. Show me. Wow. They look like they belong in like museums. I mean, they're yeah. huge. They're extremely pretty. Um, they almost look, it kind of look fake, honestly. <laughs> you know, and it's just weird. They, they go out to dinner that night. And it happens again. <clears throat> um, a stone manifests while they're at a dinner table at like the Outback Steakhouse. Wow. These people are so disconnected from what we see as socially acceptable that they get on their hands and knees with flashlights and start looking around the table for more of them. Yeah. So why? That's yeah, that begs the question. Why, why does it? Why would that happen? And yeah. you could go ahead and say like, well, it's obviously fake. You know, that's the only other thing. But. I mean, I don't... That's too simple of an explanation limits, for me. Yeah, I feel like that limits, I don't know, just the mind and like saying, oh, you're just going to write it off right away. I feel like right, it'd Because be you can't handle the, that truth. That you maybe, can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's fun. just, I don't know. Yeah. That was something that I thought I should bring up to you in this, in this podcast. Yeah. What do you think about that? Dude, I don't even know what to think. I mean, that... <clears throat> Putting God in a box is dangerous because the power of God is something we can't understand because we are not God. And so, <clears throat> yeah, someone existing outside of time is something we can't relate with because we exist in time. And so just all these different things of the character of God 
questions come up as to why all the time. And ultimately, we're probably not going to find the answers to these questions. Um, some of them we may. But yeah, ultimately, if we just limit the power of God, we're limiting our relationship with God. We're limiting so many good things that can happen, like Josh has been talking about. So, I, Yeah, I just think, for one, when you ask why, who are you to question what God does? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter what he does. You just sit there and deal with it. And you jump on the train and you ride it because yeah. he's moving, right? Yeah. So we can sit there. Well, he's making stones in people's houses when there's little kids dying of cancer. Mm. That's a terrible thing. It doesn't make sense at all. But I'm not one to question. Yeah. Just like when, when you know, God came at Job and it was like, you know, I'm the creator of the universe. I move the winds. I move the oceans. I put, I hung the planets on strings, suspended them in space. Mm-hmm. You are no one to question me. And your tiny little mind could not even begin to fathom the reasons I do things. Yeah. And you just need to come at it from a place of humbleness. And right. maybe you should just shut the heck up. <laughs> Backstory on Job. Um, Satan and and God are talking and Satan's like, oh, I know that I can tempt this guy into becoming like part of me or part of my army, whatever. And God's like, no, like I have one, one man that I know that is faithful to the end. And so through that, Satan says, hey, I'm going to uh, have all these things happen and God allows them to happen. God didn't cause them. He allows them to happen. Um, So the testing of the faith. And so Job stays strong throughout the whole time. And so like there are reasons behind certain things. Um, Dang, we're already 55 minutes. I in. know, dude. This is, a good, <laughs> this is a good one. We're having some good conversation, though, dude. But, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and I don't want to wrap it up yet. I think we got some more in us. Yeah. And I just want one thing I want to hit is so when you look at the cause and effect of people thinking, well, that's we think in cause and effect, right? We think, well, because of this, there has to be something from it or whatever. Yeah. So, but God doesn't necessarily abide by those rules, and uh, atheists actually use that a lot in their arguments of why God doesn't exist because mm-hmm. if God existed then there wouldn't be evil or all the, whatever you know right. the 15 different points they have mm-hmm. so you probably have a lot more experience with dealing publicly with people who don't believe the same way you do mm-hmm. and um, you've had to deal with that and and be a Christian in those situations which I would probably say not a lot of Christians have experience with I don't think a lot of Christians get face to face with someone who completely challenges them or they maybe do, and they just cower and hide in the corner. Yeah. What are your experiences with anything like that? Um, so one, arguments and having arguments with people, to me, is counterproductive. Because in the Word, for Christians, it says that we are called to love people. We are not called to uh, tell them our doctrine, which we are. And Anyway, the point being is we're called to love people, but it's not about like shoving doctrine in someone's face and shoving Bible truths down into someone's throat. Mm -hmm. Because if they're not in the spirit, they're not going to want to accept those things. And so any conversation with an atheist is going to be some sort of disconnect. You have to find like a mutual ground of sorts. And so that's very important in having any conversation with someone that doesn't believe what you believe is finding a common ground. So for atheists, one common ground is finding beauty in this world. Um, We think the foundation of the beauty is from God. They think the beauty is from circumstance like whatever like big bang whatever the case is the way the world was um created we do believe on the fact that there is beauty in the world um and so from that we're able to like talk about like god's grace and god's mercy and the reason why these things were created so we can flourish they may not believe in that but it's a it's a picture of hope that we can um express um for that's for like emotional kind of believers like telling your story things like that because so um i found like two types of people in life one who um are convicted um it's a fancy word for saying like 
I don't know, challenged, um, convicted um, by story or testimony or by logic. And so for logic people, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to act like I know uh, how to express truth. Um, but C.S., not C.S. Lewis, um, Lee Strobel, have you heard of him before? I think so. Yeah, he has a book called Case for Christ, and he has a lot of the like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like medical evidence for... Scientific evidence. Yeah, scientific and like medical of like the resurrection um, as well as like the cross, um, these different aspects that a lot of people just write off right away because it's so supernatural per se. But there are medical evidences for these things. And like literally there's a, a journal that published um, a, a, a journal about... Uh, Jesus's uh, death on the cross and how there's medical evidence for it, but I couldn't tell you where that source is. You have to Google it and find that, and you can look for Lee Strobel because he talks about that. So, um, mm, I don't remember your initial question. <laughs> <laughs> what was your initial question? I was asking about like your have you experienced a situation like that where you oh, came into yeah. contact with someone who didn't think or believe the way you did, yes, and then had to actually converse with them without yeah. it becoming a debate. Because yeah. for me, that's the problem. Like, I love to debate people. I'll debate somebody all day. Even if I really don't know what's going on, I just like to argue. <laughs> and so, and I probably get that from my dad. But, uh, but I really haven't, I've had like one or two conversations with people and I just ripped them apart into pieces. And, but they were close friends, so they knew that oh, it wasn't like okay, that big okay, a deal, okay. you know? Yeah. But like, like I haven't come, like I haven't had a lot of experience with that. And yeah. so I was wondering if you have, I, I assume you probably yeah. have being so such kind of like a public figure that you are. Right, yeah. So I have, when I was first jumping in with like InterVarsity, the combative sort of like expressing, doing it through debate was what I started doing. Um, but then a question was proposed to me by a mentor of mine. He said, how, how are you showing Jesus through that? What did Jesus do? Um, and so what Jesus did in the Bible is he convicted people through like healings and he did it through love. Ultimately, all the different things that Jesus do is from the root of love. And I realized all my debates were about myself. It was like proving myself, proving my knowledge, proving my whatever it is, this showing that I'm good enough to, I'm smart enough. Um, but then I realized we need to do it out of a space of love. So what that looks like more is having conversation and being real. And so that's what this podcast is all about is being real. Um, I had a specific instance where um, I talked about at large group, the Wednesday night meetings that we have about why... Uh, what was it called? Like why God does certain things. And I'm not going to act like I put God in the box like I was talking about, but I was talking about how God has a divine purpose and a divine uh, reason for certain things. And I gave personal examples of my life. For instance, like when I was a kid, um, I <laughs> been gay, the like uh, stuff you put on your muscles, um, icy hot. Oh, uh, like the tiger bomb type stuff? Yeah, like tiger yeah. bomb, yeah. I put that, I thought, so this was when I was like two years old. I shoved a tube of that stuff into my mouth because I thought it was toothpaste. I was like, I love mint. <laughs> and so there's a thing on the back that says, do not consume. Like you have to puke immediately, essentially. So my dad saw that I did that. And what he did is he like shoved his finger like down my throat and had me puke up that stuff. But as I saw my dad do that, I thought my dad was harming me. And so having my father do this thing to me that I thought was harming me was actually for my good. So a point behind that is that Jesus and God does the things in our life to build our character and it's actually for our good. And he actually knows what's best for us. And as my dad did, he knew that was best for me. I could have died from that. I don't really know the implications of swallowing that stuff. But <laughs> um, yeah, the point being is that there's certain things that Jesus does that we can't explain necessarily. I couldn't explain why my dad had his finger down my throat making me choke. But that was the thing that, um, a truth that I realized um, through that instance. So yeah. Yeah. I think... Like when you go to the Bible to kind of uh, get an idea of how we're supposed to talk to people, I think it's very different 
how we should talk to brothers and sisters in Christ and how we should talk to people who aren't. Oh, that's right. Right? Because if you look at Jesus, there were the children of God in the sense. There was the Pharisees and all these people who were Jewish and at the time were the children of God because Christ hadn't died yet and the entire world hadn't yet been adopted into the tree of life that is, you know, the Jewish lineage or the, the Hebrew lineage. And so when he has interactions with the, the children who should know what the father wants, he's on them like hard. You know, he calls them snakes, fools. He puts together a whip, goes into the temple and starts whipping people or changing money in the temple. Yeah. Right. So it's different because I believe we're held to a different standard as a Christian, as a Christian than you are as a non-believer. Because right. as a non-believer, you still have a veil. You still really don't know the difference between what's right and wrong. And how are you supposed to know? Because when you become a Christian is when you learn all that stuff, you know, community and, and the Bible, it teaches you what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. I mean, yeah. every society has a general idea of what's right and what's wrong for people to do. Right. But as Christians, we're not head to, held to societal standards. We're held to biblical standards, which are much, much, much higher. Mm-hmm. If you're even to look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Right. And when it says committed adultery in your heart, it's like... Oh, you know, you kind of thought about it, so it wasn't good. Don't think it was like no, you basically had sex with that her. woman. Yeah, that's basically what you did. Mm-hmm. It is just as punishable, and biblically, that was punishable by being stoned. Yes. So the punishment for sin is death, and we as Christians are still held to that held to that standard. Yeah, it's yeah. only by the blood of Christ that we are allowed to not like we God doesn't punish us for that right. because we've given our lives over, and that's so good. it's important for us to recognize that when we talk to Atheists, or we talk to someone who isn't a believer. Different religion. Is, yeah. yeah, it's the mindset's different. You can't address that. Like if me and you were having a doctrine argument, we would argue on biblical standpoints mm-hmm. to prove or disprove each other. But if you try to argue with an atheist, an atheist based on a biblical standpoint, makes you no have sense. to them you have no ground. Yeah. Because you're standing on something that they don't believe in. Right. So it's very hard. That's why arguing with someone. Like you said, if you get into an argument and you have no common ground, it's basically just a screaming match. Right. Like, you're not going to get anywhere. And that's hard for me because I love... I would I would have fun with a screaming match. <laughs> like, I would feed off that energy. And just because... I mean, I'm a big fan of, like, political debates or... or uh, Stuff like that, like dissing somebody or something. That's just, I'm like, oh man, that was good. And that's not a bad, I mean, that is a bad thing, kind of. But, um, so I would, I have issues with that personally. And like with my, with my kind of story I was telling earlier about how I got into that conversation with that guy is, uh, he was a guy that was raised Catholic and all this stuff. And so, but he kind of fallen away from everything. And, and, uh, I said, well, the reason you fell away from everything is because you were raised Catholic. Like, there's no relationship within that, that system of belief. And it's really just a bunch of rules that you're following. And you never actually had that relationship mm-hmm. with God. And so there was no reason for you to continue to believe that. And so I kind of just laid out, you know, this is how you have a relationship with God. And he's like, I don't really know. And I was like, well, if you don't believe in God, how do you, you know, explain this? And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I don't really know. And I was like, well, if this. And he was just like not really giving me anything. Yeah. So I felt like I beat him, mm-hmm. right? So I beat him in the debate. So he needs to now convert into my my system of belief but you know what that guy's still not a christian he's still one of my friends but he's still not a christian he still doesn't believe the same way i do and even though we debated and i won nothing changed Mm -hmm. you know and i think that a lot of people i don't think a lot of people have that problem like debating because they don't even go out to 
defend them their own faith mm-hmm. a lot of times. Um, I think Christians in a lot of ways are really squeamish. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not saying every Christian. I'm saying just as a whole. I mean, look at the church now. I mean, you have... And I um, don't want to step on any toes here, but if you get your toes stepped on, wear steel-toe boots. Uh, <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Like inviting homosexual pastors and stuff into the community or having uh, big community members of the church who were put up as leaders come out of divorced relationships or all these these things that people are living in a way that is not an example for the rest of the Christian church to live, but they're put as leaders. Why? Because socially you have to be acceptable. You know, as a church... And a lot of these churches, and I know you are a lot closer to uh, homosexuality than I am. Mm-hmm. And um, and so for me, I see like this. I don't see it as like a tragedy or anything like that. I'm not angry about it or I don't hate those people in any way. I'm just like, I don't think that's right from a biblical standpoint. What, what, is some, what do you think about that? Yeah, you're, you're correct. Um, so for like foundation just so so context on my part my mom um is is a lesbian so the thing that i i was shocked when she first told me she just told me this about three years ago and i didn't realize this she was in a relationship for a while so she kind of like deceived me just not telling me the fact that she was in a homosexual relationship that's the part that hurt me the most um and so she knowing that i'm a christian she was like oh you're not gonna want to do anything with me anymore you're gonna write me off i was like no that's like the exact opposite if anything i'm gonna love you even more so you see, I guess for me that for the first thing we need to do for, for people who claim to be homosexuals is show them Jesus first, because, um, if we combat doctrine, like Josh has been talking about that, someone like someone who is a homosexual does not know Jesus. Uh, so, well, let me run that back actually. So there are homosexuals who do not partake in a homosexual sexual relationship, but they are Christians. Have you ever met someone I'm, like that? Like hybrid homosexual? No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I, okay, let I've me never heard better. of it. So, um, there's a book called Single Gay Christian by that's published by IVP University Press, and that really opened my mind to a lot of things. So, um, there's a guy, and he is like Paul. He resists temptation to the max, but he is gay, and he's attracted to men. But he spends his whole life as a single man. But he finds his source of love in Jesus and Jesus only, and in community with that. And it's not in a homosexual relationship with another man. And so, like, there are people that do love Jesus with all of their hearts, but they are attracted to men. But the Bible does state that you cannot be in a homosexual relationship with another man. So, yeah, I don't know if you've ever or a sexually immoral relationship. Period. It, yeah, yeah. It really in the New Testament, it doesn't really go into a lot of. It says, you know. Uh, marriage between a man and a woman but then you get into the dictation of well what was Jesus saying by marriage and then there's different definitions of that but Paul and I think he says it in like a couple books is to abstain like to not have sexual immoral relationships so Mm -hmm. sexual immorality is anything outside the confines of marriage exactly period so I don't want to get to the we're just making sure we clear the definition homosexuality is no worse than cheating on your wife. That's right. They're literally, God sees them in my, in my mind, God sees them the exact same way. Yeah. Premarital sex. All exactly. Of yeah. It's, it's just as bad. <clears throat> but man, for, okay. I'm kind of taken back in my chair a little bit, guys. Uh, a homosexual person who abstains from homosexual acts and is a Christian. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. I didn't even know that was about, a thing. Yeah. So like in that book, he talks about Paul and the example that Paul <clears throat> lived because he was a single man. And I'm sure the temptation to be in a relationship was obviously there because people around him were in marriages and things like that. And so he would want to pursue that, but God had called him to be single. And so there's a, I think it's first Corinthians talks about the importance of singlehood and things yeah, like that. Yeah. And like how you can yeah. serve God. Uh, Paul's whole point was that he can serve God on a higher level because he's single and because he has a relationship, because he has to take care of a wife and children. Right. And so he's completely God's. Mm-hmm. And he, so he said, if you can follow my example, but mm-hmm. those of you who cannot um, abstain from temptation, it's better for you to get married so you don't sin. Right. Is what he was saying. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, when Josh said he was taken back in his chair, um, I think of there's like different, I mean, it, it gets really gray, I'll be honest, because like sex, gender, like all those different things. I've watched videos on videos on videos oh on videos. God. Don't even get me started <laughs> about that stuff. And I honestly don't have a, an opinion fully because I just like, I'm open-minded I'm trying to learn trying to learn like because that's that's also the most important thing is like you want to cater to that person that is a that claims to be a homosexual so you want to call them things by what they want to be called by and that's not necessarily approving of anything but it's like showing that yes I'm going to found a foundation of mutual ground that we can stand by at first but when it gets to the hard conversations of that trust building and getting into like dude what you're doing is actually like not right first we need to show them Jesus because that's like the most important thing because you cannot it's like hitting a wall like over and over you're not going to get past it because right. if they don't know Jesus first then it doesn't matter it doesn't they matter they don't care yeah. what you say is right or wrong because then it's not yep exactly you know? yeah golly dude I didn't think we were going to get into this on this episode oh <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh I, I'm of course I have a different view mm-hmm. I have a slightly more aggressive view um I think people who have issues, and it's not, this isn't like what God thinks, obviously, or uh, honestly, I don't know, because mm-hmm. it's extremely new, this whole, not homosexuality, homosexuality has been around forever. 2000, um, 3000 years. Yeah. <laughs> Since probably, I mean, Satan has always been trying to twist what God has made. So he tells you that, oh, well, this is really who you are. This is how you should feel about whatever that goes for anything right yeah. so if that's an, I mean you take food God gave it for us gave it to us so that we can live and people and then God speaks against gluttony because Satan has taken food something that God used as fuel to give you life and turned it into a pleasure yeah. turned it into something that you obsess over and that's why you have people who are 600 pounds and because they're they've made food their God or they find play. it's just weird like the relationship with food is distorted because Satan has told them something different mm-hmm. the same thing with your sexuality their relationship with being as a sexual being when you were meant to be reproductive and to, and to bring another human into this world he's twisted it and saying well that's not what it's about it's about feeling good it's about mm-hmm. um, all this other stuff yeah. so back to what I was saying kind of went off on a tangent but um <laughs> I, when it comes to the transgender thing, that's what I'm talking about being new. This whole, I mean, I, I actually know a little bit more about it politically because oh. I watch a lot of videos and stuff. And Do you so watch I, Steven Crowder? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love Steven Crowder. But uh, I think it was like in 1970 with some lady who actually wrote gender theory and she actually separated the idea of sex and gender being two different things. It's yeah. only been around since like 1970. It's not that old. The idea. So people were still kind of figuring it out. And it wasn't a big deal until politically people started over-sexualizing people. I mean, you think uh, homosexuals 
back in the day, they didn't care if they got married because it wasn't about getting married. It wasn't about being having a relationship. It was about feeling good, right? It was about scratching that itch, mm-hmm. really. Almost like an addiction is what it kind of started out to be. And so you had married men who were having homosexual relationships on the side. This type of things were happening. Um, and they would lie about it, you know, and it was hidden and it was all in the dark. Well, then, you know, I think it was around like probably between the 70s and 90s that really homosexuality started stopped being a closet thing started being a more open thing so then society started becoming more acceptable accept, receptive of homosexuality mm-hmm. well we fast forward just a couple years later not even 20 years now we're giving homosexuals the right to get married why? what I mean when you look at the definition of marriage the point of getting married biblically is really to have kids you know and to procreate that's kind of the whole point of marriage. When you have two beings who can't procreate, their definition of marriage is just in shambles. Mm-hmm. There's no root to it all. It's just so they can be like everybody else and feel accepted is really where the whole point came from. And so then that gets passed. Well, gays get the right to get married, and suddenly we got transgenderism, or I think it was first called like cross-dressing and then it moved into being transsexual then it moved into being transgender and now you got cisgender bigender pansexual you know the 80 different definitions people have to describe themselves sexually just because they want to be different and not because they like they can't even really define what they what that means you know and it's just weird to me but anyway so now we have whatever the thousands of different types of sexual orientations mm-hmm. um bit like how do i like how do i go at this being a christian right mm-hmm. so it's it's hard it's definitely hard for one most people can't even wrap their minds around it if you haven't been taught about it right. you know it's almost like something you have to major in in college which is offered at a lot of universities <laughs> which is super weird to me yeah. so it's for me it's easier to deal with let's say a man who likes men and a woman who likes woman that's easier to deal with right because I definitely want to come at that situation with love because if I don't then I'm going to push them away right and I, that's not what I want to do because if they're if I push them away then I can't affect them anymore right. and I can't change anything it's not my job to be God and tell them that they're being wrong or tell that's them right. that they're living in sin right I'm sure they already know that like if you think about it if you have a person who knows something about the Bible I mean, the first thing most people say is, you know, God doesn't agree with homosexuality. And they use that as, a, well, Christians are immoral because um, in Leviticus, it, you to be a homosexual was to be, you were to be stoned mm-hmm. for that. And so God is actually immoral. That's actually an atheist argument. And that's why a lot of people don't actually believe in God because of that. Um, Interesting. So, but New Testament now. Our job is not to stone everyone who sins. Otherwise, if it was, there'd be a bunch of dead people in the streets. We'd have a lot of work to do. So, <laughs> it's, and we'd have to be stoning each other all the time. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, when we get to now, we have to, Jesus is calling us to love these people. How to do that effectively? You just love them. It's actually a lot more simple. And I think if you can get past the fact, like their sin is not attacking you. As a person, right? Yeah, they live a different life. And a lot of people take... Like, nowadays, a lot of people take offense to just someone living differently than they do. Mm-hmm. They're like, whoa, your entire being is challenging my existence. That's... We as Christians, you're not called to think like that. 
If you think like that, you should slap yourself across the face yeah. because you literally need to have your identity rooted in God. Yeah. And so anybody else's problems don't affect you. Yeah. So you can love someone no matter what yeah. because you know who God actually calls them to be. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, because like the very beginning of any relationship with someone is realizing that they are a child of God, whether they know it or not. Um, that's like the like the crucial point, like having a relationship with someone, because if you think of it, if you define someone by their sin in the beginning, then that relationship's going to fizzle out and they're going to hate you. You're going to hate them. All these like bad things that we've seen over the years, like mm-hmm. so many years past. Like, the entire killers. battle between the church and the LGBT movement is that. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Um, I had another thought, but it went away. And I mean, that's who God, that's how God sees that person. You know, God sees the potential in that person. God, and I don't mean like potential, like, oh, they could be a really good accountant. No, I mean like he sees who he created that person to be. Yeah. And the the disconnect is actually in that person's mind. They don't realize who they were created to be. Yeah. Satan has actually entered that person's mind and told them, this is what you think. Yeah. This is what you feel. This is why you do this. He actually gives them excuses to act in their flesh and do the things that they do because it's who they are. Mm-hmm. It's a lie. It's a blatant freaking lie. And that's how Satan, he literally can grab Christians out of their faith because they start to believe the lies that the enemy tells them. Yeah. The, the thought came back to me of what I was going to say is um, God is not just lion. He's also a lamb. So God is lion and lamb. And what that means, the characteristics of a lion, we can equate that to like justice and righteousness, um, making things right through punishing people because of things they've done wrong. Um, we think of lamb, that's someone who extends grace and someone who extends love. And so finding the balance of both of those, a lot of people, they like to separate God and old Testament, God is lion. And then new Testament, he's lamb, but he's actually both. And we need to find that truth that God is both of those things. So finding the balance of those things, I'm going to be doing that till I'm 99 years old till, I don't know when I'm going to, when I die, then I'll probably understand how I should have acted in life. But, um, I'm going to be trying to understand that for the rest of my life. So. Definitely. And it's, yeah. it's just one of those things, you know, that you don't, I think a lot of people are on different levels of that. Mm-hmm. You know, they recognize, I think some people swing too far one way and swing too far the other way. I mean, you have like hardcore Baptist people who just want to beat gays with their Bibles all day. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the right way to think about it. But I also don't agree with getting walked on and pushed around because of being a Christian. And, and one thing I kind of, uh, I want to bring up, I was watching a, a Bethel service the other day and Chris Valentin was speaking. He's the head pastor of Bethel. And he was talking about how all truth is actually held in tension. That you have this and you have this and they actually hold the truth in tension. And honestly, it kind of just went over my head and I'm still kind of trying to wrap my mind around how Jesus says when someone, if someone were to strike you on the face, you turn your cheek. Mm -hmm. But then Jesus goes into the, the temple and whips people with a whip. Right? So that's held in tension. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul was talking about how, oh, I forget what book it was. He was talking about circumcision. And how, you know, I forget which book it is, but he's talking about how all these people are obsessed with circumcising people. And he was saying that it's not about circumcision. That's not a thing. And he actually goes to say, like, to, to circumcise yourself is to separate yourself from God or something like that. It's oh. very, very, like, definitive, kind of a bold statement. And then he goes in another book and he says, um, Timothy, I'm going to circumcise you or something like that. So the complete opposite of what he was saying earlier. And atheists, people who don't believe in the Bible or are trying to 
find some way to disprove it, actually call these contradictions. Mm-hmm. That the Bible contradicts itself and though it is and that makes it null and void. Yeah. But it's not that that the truth of the Bible is actually held in tension. And to be able to understand it, you actually have to have a relationship with God and the, the spirit has to teach it to you. At first John it talks about this, about how no one should be your teacher, but the Holy Spirit should be your teacher. Mm-hmm. Um I read it this morning actually. Oh, nice. And um it's understanding God is something you will not do. Mm-hmm. Not now. Yeah. Your physical body, I don't think can contemplate it. I think we can we can get revelations all the time. And that's why things constantly get invented. That's why people are constantly thinking of, or, or pastors getting up there, showing you the same verse in the Bible we've read a hundred times, and then for some reason it means something completely different to you now. Yeah. You have to remember that the Word of God is actually li- the living, breathing Word of God. The, the letters on that page live and they breathe mm-hmm. so it changes yeah and it, that change is specifically geared to the person who's reading it and they won't understand it unless they know the voice of their shepherd yeah right well brian this has been one heck of a podcast one heck of an interview yeah i think we should definitely do this again sometime definitely i would love to have you come on as like a second chair like we'll we'll pick one topic yeah. And we'll just talk about that topic. Yeah, that'd be And then awesome. you could give your viewpoint, I can give my viewpoint, we can do that. I think that would be so cool yeah. to do. We can anyway, talk about music too later. Yes, I somewhere. definitely want to get into music. Yeah. We didn't hit that because I know Brian has been actually on more podcasts than mine. And I think a lot of those podcasts are geared towards his musical side. Mm-hmm. And I've never actually got, I've never heard a podcast Brian was on that was like this. Mm-hmm. That was like just hardcore thought and almost philosophical in a sense. Mm-hmm. And I promise you, I had like four categories. I was like, Brian, we're going to talk about these couple things. And music was one of them. And we just never got to it. Because <laughs> we just started hitting these topics hard and having really good conversation. Yeah. So, Brian, uh, do you want to plug anything, Instagram, anything like that before we go? Uh, yeah, so B Sharp Music Official is my Instagram handle. If you guys want to follow me, I'll follow you back because I love people. Um <laughs> Facebook, uh, I do have a Facebook page. Nobody oh uses Facebook <laughs> For you people that are 40 and over. Um, <laughs> uh, the, it's, uh, I think it's like if you just type in B Sharp slash Brian. I don't even know. if It's B dash Sharp. So my name is Brian Sharp, as I've already said, but that's like my, there's three reasons for B Sharp. It's like, it's a music note. You have to be sharp in life. And it's my name. So that's the reason why I chose that name. So just look up like B dash Sharp on Facebook. It might pop up. Um, I have music on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Whatever you listen to music on, it's probably there. SoundCloud, I used to upload to that, but I just haven't in a long time. So it's like my old stuff, which you can check that out too. Um, that's it. Awesome. And as always, you can follow me on Instagram at Josh underscore Caps underscore. All you Brian followers out there, if you listen to this podcast, go and give me a follow. All right. Thank you guys for listening today. It's been a wonderful, amazing conversation. Way better than I thought.